Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In this episode of The Bell Tale, Derry Girls. No funny business with these Protestant lads, is that clear? I don't want anybody landing back here pregnant. Shift your short holes, let's go. Nobody move. You better do as I say, or... Or what? Or there'll be consequences. Get expelled. Nobody ever actually gets expelled. Wanda Golger hasn't even been expelled and she's an ARA. Belfast, sure, why don't you just sell away into white slavery and be done with it? Jerry, I'll be with them, Dad. Well, that's worse. So they hate his kind there. My kind. Pricks. I'm not going down for something I didn't do. If anyone deserves to get punished, it should be Michelle. Well, I think it's safe to say we all just lost a bit of respect for you there, Claire. The iconic comedy has become one of our favourite TV shows immortalised in an episode of The Simpsons and even celebrating the best of local delicacies, the cream horn. More on that later on. Dairy Girls has made its mark across the world. Joining me, Anya Toner, to chat about Dairy Girls is Maureen Coleman, the Belfast Telegraph's entertainment correspondent and Gillian Halliday, Belfast Telegraph's deputy features editor. So by now, we have watched all episodes of Dairy Girls. We've seen a Spice Girls tribute. We've seen a flashback to a school reunion. And it's over. Or do you think we're going to feel like we're losing a friend? Absolutely. I mean, I think we have come to love these characters. Um, They kind of have infiltrated their way into the psyche, I think, of viewers and the, the Northern Irish public and beyond, obviously. And yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm pretty gutted now that, that that's it, that it's that they're yeah. gone and gone forever, maybe. <laughs> Gillian, were there tears when you watched the final episodes? Yes. Huge tears. It was emotional. I cried. I laughed. I just thought it brought me back to that ninety-eight feeling, that optimism that everyone had. And it just made me feel absolutely just it, it was warm heart it was warm hearted and it was so evocative of that time. Even that, that scene in the school where they're doing that horrible stage reconstruction of like the troubles sure. with Jenny. I it it was cringe worthy, but it was just it it was so finely tuned into what it was like back in ninety eight. Totally true. I, I have to say I ugly cried at yeah. the end of the up the final episode with, with Claire when they when they talk about what happened to her dad as well. And the music that you know, they used the Fat Boy Slim music at the end, it kind of just really hit home kind of the importance of friendship and family mm-hmm. as well. It certainly feels to me like we're we're losing a friend, but we have lots of lovely memories as well of, of that friendship. Looking back over the series, Maureen, what have been your kind of highs and lows or do you even have any lows? From series three. From series three. Um well I wasn't hugely keen on the episode where they 
go on the train, the, the train journey to Barry's. to Barry's amusement. I mean, there was a whole big hype about it. There were, you know, in the run up to it, everybody was talking about this episode and how it was going to be, you know, pretty spectacular. And for me, I kind of felt that it went off the track a bit. Um, pardon the pun, but, you know, to have like the focus on the train when we all kind of thought it was building up to this, you know, big moment at Barry's and then that was just kind of thrown in at the end. I kind of got the impression that that episode was very much put together at the last minute or Mm -hmm. that there had to be rewrites, which I know did have to happen because of Nicola Coughlin's um, commitments with Bridgerton. So I I felt that it lost a lot of its humour and wit Mm -hmm. I think that they crammed an awful lot of cameos into that episode as sure. well. And as, as a result of that, I felt that lost its impact. You know, if you're going to have a cameo, have maybe one or two. But, you know, every time you turned your head, there was another well-known face popping up. So for me, that wasn't my, my favourite episode. But the others, the, the others I, I absolutely loved. And just picking up on what, you know, Gillian said... Um, the the Good Friday Agreement special, I I sobbed, and I'm not going to lie. Sure, I sobbed and I watched it back over and over again. You know the the last ten minutes of that episode, I think, will go down in history as you know ten of the best moments of um, recent television. It's a that's a quite a quite a record to make, Gillian. Do you agree? Do you, did you enjoy the episode of the Good Friday Agreement? Yeah. I definitely would say I think it was refreshing because I think when you you live in Northern Ireland, it's there's a certain amount of trepidation when you see us depicted on screen. But obviously, being Lisa McGee, you're in safe hands. She's from here. She knows what she's talking about. She knows how to write us. She knows how we speak. So, to me, it is definitely a classic episode of comedy, and it's the best type of comedy because there's dark moments there's moments of reflection in it and at the same time there's levity in it and there's moments I think and I think that's quite a Northern Irish thing as well yeah Yeah. the dark and the light together and being able to laugh at ourselves, I suppose, and laugh totally. at kind of the strangeness Completely. of the situation as well. Yeah, and I think what Lisa McGee has done with Derry Girls, I mean, apart from the fact that it's given Channel 4 its biggest ratings um, hit um, where comedy is concerned since Father Ted, um, I think what she has done is she's taken a news story that it provides the backdrop, it's not the main focus of the series, but she's taken a news story that people across the the water in particular, you know, they got fed up listening about Northern Ireland. They got fed up watching the news about Northern Ireland. And to them, we are just a people of rioting and roadblocks and religious divides. And I think what she has done, she's made people sit up and pay heed to what we all went through here. But also that there's so much more to Northern Irish people, you know, that we're resilient, we're self-deprecating, we're funny. You know, we we use dark humour as a as a as a tool to get through the the dark day. So I think, I think you know, she's created quite a legacy. Completely, and not just I think for the younger characters. Obviously, the the show centres around the main five, but also she's never neglected her older characters. And I think the last series has definitely shown them coming into their own a little bit. You know, Sarah and kind of her mix up about her engagement to Karen. You know, uh, uh, Grandpa Joe finding the wee red tin that his that his wife had hidden for him as well. But there's something about the older characters really just embracing who they were in this series. Gillian, would you agree? Did you enjoy watching Grandpa Joe and Mary and Sarah? I think that's what 
what is fantastic about McGee's writing is that she doesn't neglect the the characters beyond the core gang. I think there's lots of comedies out there where you couldn't honestly say that. I think she paints it's just tiny moments and Sarah is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Her her one liners, her quips, her outlook on life is fantastic. We all need Sarah's outlook on life. Um I think she would probably be a beauty YouTuber <laughs> in 2022. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think um, their portrayal is fantastic. They all have their own quirks and characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, that McGee is, is fantastic and she doesn't neglect any of those. I think it's fantastic. And I think we can relate to people. We can relate to the characters too. I think that's what makes them such brilliant portrayals. You know that we we all know we all know an Orla. You you know we all know an Uncle Connell. I mean, <laughs> how many families across Northern Ireland are watching that, thinking, "Oh my God, he's just like my Uncle John," or you know, like you know, my Aunt Matilda. What are you doing? Sarah, you don't get change. I definitely change. I'm going to give them a whole fiver. That's definitely happening. I think the characters, they're very unique in a sense, but they're very relatable because we all know someone who who is like that or has those qualities. Absolutely. There's like a universality to them as yeah. well, you know, and that's the thing, isn't it? Whenever you see something reflected back at you, you feel heard. I think that's a very important mm-hmm. part of the drama and the comedy totally. within it as well. Gillian, I thought it was really interesting you were saying there about Anne Sarah is probably a YouTube blocker. <laughs> she probably is in 2022, but where do we see, where do we think we'd see the other, the main five? Where would they be in 2022? Michelle is an actor. I think so. Michelle's gone into performing arts somewhere along the way. Someone has said to her, you'd be great on the stage and she's gone off to to act. I think Claire is in a very happy relationship and she's an activist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Erin, as we all know, turned out to be a writer and writes um, a hit Channel 4 comedy (laughs) and I think James emigrates. James goes off to America and marries and pops home to, to Derry every once in a while to catch up with everyone. Yeah. Well, what about Orla, Gillian? Where do you think she would find? I think Orla would be a great TikTok. <laughs> TikToker. <laughs> Accidental TikToker. Yeah, she just don't happen to stumble on the app and then find herself with a million followers the next day. <laughs> and she's still living with Aunt Sarah. <laughs> and Aunt Sarah is probably still dressed the way she dressed. She's kind of found her groove, I think, in the 90s kind of fashion. And that's a lovely thing. We think about them, we can think about them in 20 years' time, but we can think about them so firmly in the 90s and that makes us feel, remember where we were in the 90s, you know, I remember being a teen and I would have just loved to have been friends with the five of them as well. But how important do you think the setting of the 90s was, not just in terms of from our own point of view, but from, from an international point of view, do you think it's something that people just kind of, in, has endeared itself? I suppose, to international audiences. I think people love uh, We Trip Down Memory Lane. Everyone loves nostalgia and, you know, it was a great time for music, not such a great time for fashion. Um, <laughs> but funny, I was actually in Derry in the mid-90s. So at the time, Derry Girls was set. Um, I was a young 
um, reporter, so obviously I'm a bit older <laughs> than you two girls. I wasn't a teenager in um, the 90s. Um, I was in my early 20s and I was sent up to, to, to Derry for um, a couple of years to work um, as a trainee for the Belfast Telegraph. So I was there at the time of the big stories. I was there at the, the time of the ceasefire. Um, so for me, the 90s were very important in terms of, you know, growing my career and for all those big seminal moments. But um, but as a time of music and nostalgia, I mean, you know, you, you can't really beat it. Well, you can, the 80s, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we won't beat it. <laughs> what about you, children? Did you think the 90s, did it, did it matter to you that it was set in the 90s? Well, yeah, personally, because I was a teen in the 90s. But I, 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 like broadly speaking, I think the 90s is a big trend anyway, the last couple of years. Sure. If you look at all the TV programmes and dramas, you know, there's a 90s element. Things are being set in the 90s. So it, it taps into that as well. And I think, obviously, young people, we may think 90s fashion aspects of it were quite naff now. But, I mean, you look at all the young people now, they're all wearing the 90s. Kind of Spice Girl Styles, chokers. I had Spice Girl trainers and I thought I was just the coolest person alive and... I wasn't. <laughs> but no, I was a raver, I have to say, in the 90s. So I was wearing um, Lycra hot pants and dancing on stage with two unlimited. So <laughs> That's it. That's definitely an episode for another podcast with the Belfast Telegraph, I have to say, Maureen. Um, we were talking there about kind of, you know, flashbacks and, and nostalgia and that kind of thing. But I just want to have a, we have a few quick questions for the two of you now just about the, about the series. So, Maureen, in, over the series three, your favourite moment of the whole series? Favourite moment, definitely the Liam Neeson cameo and the conversation in the police station with Uncle Colm. I love Uncle Colm. I just think he is a complete comic genius. And the conversation, you know, when, when Neeson's policeman points out that, you know, there's Nobody called hands in Derry. <laughs> <laughs> and then Uncle Colm starts, well, you say that. And then the whole story of um, Diego from Pennyburn and the fake tan. I was howling. I thought that was so funny. And then again, when Uncle Colm pops up um, at the end, um, yeah, I just think any time he opens his mouth, it, it's just pure comedy gold. I think Kevin McAleer was a great choice. For Uncle Colm, you do, didn't realise how good he would be until he was playing him right in front of your eyes. You know, incredible, incredible casting. And there's decision. so much love for him too, you know, when Very you see on so, social yeah. media, whenever Uncle Colm pops up, you know, everybody is just saying how much, you know, they, they love him. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant character. And he just brings so much joy to the to the show. Completely. Julian, do you have a favourite moment from the series? Yeah, mine's a bit earlier in this uh, previous series, but I, I just love the chalkboard do you remember it's, from the yeah. cross community yeah. <laughs> trip? Protestants love Abbott. <laughs> yeah, it just because it was hilarious and it was quite and and you know it's de- dealing with stereotypes and attitudes and Absolutely. things like that. But it yeah. did it in a really light-hearted way. Uh, everyone went mad on Twitter afterwards. So, you know the mm-hmm. toaster in the cupboard <laughs> situation. Like it was such a big talking point, and it ended up in a museum. So completely. I want you guys to give me examples of things that Catholics and Protestants have in common and things that they don't have in common. Catholics watch RTE. Protestants love cleaning. Protestants are taller. Catholics have more freckles. Protestants hate ABBA. Okay, thank you. 
It's interesting that both of you have picked the first episode of series as well. I yeah. think it goes to show that there's that comes out of the block running. Do you know that the, both series two and series three were there to make an impact mm-hmm. as well? And I think like that's interesting that you both chose that. And Maureen, you were saying at the beginning, maybe you thought there might be too many cameo moments, but do you have a favourite cameo moment? Well, Neeson. Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, Neeson was my favourite cameo. And I have to say... We haven't mentioned it, but the the cameo that Chelsea Clinton at the mm, end, I mean, yeah. I just thought that was fantastic. You know, I was not expecting it for one moment. You know, I was just kind of getting to grips with the, the really highly charged emotional ending and, you know, the the montage at the end, all the characters lined up and we see them all voting and we see them all going off together, arms around each other and skipping into the future. And then, you know, I was like, you know, ugly sobbing myself. And then next minute it pops up, you know, present day. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what's this? You know, where are they taking us? What's this about? And then to see Chelsea Clinton and getting her letter that went astray and tying up all those loose ends. And, you know, I, I, I just thought, like, that is totally amazing. Imagine being able to, you know, sit down, write a television script, get Liam Neeson involved and get the daughter of a former president and, and a man who made such a huge contribution to, to peace in Ireland. So, you know, brilliant, brilliant it, stuff. It really goes to show kind of the heft, I suppose, that the programme has in terms of being able to get, you know, Hollywood first of all, Hollywood A-listers in terms of, of Liam Neeson, but also, like you said, the daughter of a, a former president who did so much for us as well. And to hear her read Orla's letter yeah, in, in yeah. her own voice as well. Because you do, you expect Orla to open that door. Well, I was expecting Orla to open that door in New York. and I thought it would be or, Lisa McGee. Mm-hmm. Funny, I thought it was going to be her for some reason. That's interesting, yeah. actually. That would have been interesting. But we'll take Chelsea Clinton. Oh, we'll totally. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> um, Gillian, who, who, what was your favourite cameo? Um, I'm, I was a big fan of Being Human, which was a BBC Three mm-hmm. series and Lisa McGee. Series. It was, yep. it was a supernatural series and it was a brilliant um, programme. And Lisa McGee actually wrote some of the episodes of that. But um, one of the actors in that was Damien Maloney and he obviously turns up as a love interest in a very like old school Diet Coke vibe <laughs> way, <laughs> and I just was I he just the hot him. plumber? Yeah. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. the fella who's in the split as well. Yeah, kind of, he, yeah. For that's his, I think his latest um, appearance in TV. But I just love seeing him, and I just thought he was brilliant. He is in my favorite episode of the series, which is when uh, Mary, my Mary, is talking about going back to college, and that moment when her husband says, "You know, there's nothing you can't do. You can do anything." And I just that's a moment that kind of makes me tear up because I think that's when we get to see the the adults as people yeah, as much yeah. as the mummy and daddy of um, of Aaron. You know, I think it's I think it's a lovely moment altogether. And then Granda Joe has a <laughs> has a go of poor Jerry for backing up his wife. Yeah, <laughs> that dynamic though was brilliant. I think totally. between between um, Tommy Turner and Ian McAhenney, they just yeah. they so they bounce they off each other. Each other yeah, really so well. well. Yeah. If you watch, I will never understand the point of that. I'll never understand the point of view. Grandson. And like, and I think if that if they had got on, you know, if the son-in-law and the father-in-law had got on, it wouldn't be anywhere near as no. entertaining to watch them at home in their living room. And yet one of the most poignant scenes, I think, from the whole three series was the um, finale of um, season one when the, they're watching the news footage of the bomb and Granda Joe just places his hand very gently on Jerry's shoulder 
in a very rare moment of, you know, solidarity and, and support and, and affection. And yeah, that made me cry too. I, I, I cry a lot. And I'm pretty sure people are going to be crying for the last two episodes of series three, certainly. Absolutely. But what Dairy Girls is also known for is it's amazing one-liners. So I wonder if either of the two of you have favourite one-liners or are there just too many that too to, many. to even... Well, Michelle, I think, is kind of like the queen of the, the one-liner. So, you know, when she's talking about the um, the famine, you know. We're still on William of Orange, Michelle. We haven't so much luck at the famine. We've got the gist. They ran out of spots. Everyone was raging. They ran out of spots. Yes. <laughs> Everyone yeah. was raging. That the, was it. The end. Or, yeah. um... Or when um when when she's talking about <laughs> she's talking about her cousin James and she says you know he's English they're bleak <laughs> savages um then um sister Michael as well I mean her her yeah. one liners are classic too um the one that really stands out for me is you know when she says I think the the kids are preparing for exams and. You know, she says, if any of you are feeling anxious or worried or you just want someone to talk to, please, please do not come <laughs> crying to me. You're expecting her to kind of, you know, show a different side to her for once. And then, no, she doesn't. No. She reverts to cynical type. No. What about you, Gillian? Oh, yes. Um, just to, Maureen actually brought this up, but it, it is that line of, um, they ran out of spots, everyone was raging, because I just like the idea of someone sitting in an exam hall with an Irish history question <laughs> and having the guts just to write that. I bet you someone has too. <laughs> you know, I hope they got an A star, you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where do you think Derry Girls sits? You know, we've talked about how much we've all, we all love it. We've all watched the three series and, and really kind of take it, taken it to heart in many ways, much like everybody in Northern Ireland, pretty much, and around the world. But where do you think it sits in kind of a... I don't know, like a great hall of comedy. You know, I'm thinking The Inbetweeners, which also ran for three series. Father Ted also ran for three series. Is it the right time to stop it? Do you know when it's on a high? And do you think it sets up with those kind of greats that, we, that we've that we talked about? Oh, yeah, totally. And I, I think she did make the right decision to end it after the three mm -hmm. um, series. Apart from anything, you know... <laughs> They're leaving school, they're 18, so they're not going to, you know, she would have had to change it to, to Derry Women. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, totally, I think it holds its own, um, along with, you know, the, 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 the likes of Father Ted. I think it's very interesting, too, and it should be stressed that Channel 4's two biggest sitcoms in recent years mm -hmm. have both been Irish. So, you know, I guess that says a lot for our humour and our wit <laughs> and our warmth <laughs> and how wonderful we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you think that, that there should be a Derry Girls film? Now, I know you'd probably both go to the cinema to watch it, but, you know, do you think that there should be one? Maureen, what do you think? Um, yeah, totally. Um, I know it's not a sitcom, but you take a show like Downton Abbey and mm -hmm. the huge appeal it had. And, you know, a lot of people were very dubious about whether it should be on the big screen. And then they, they made a film out of it. They've made a couple of films now and, you know, they've, they've sure. done really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see, you know, Derry Girls continued and, you know, maybe in a few years time to see what, what, they're, what yeah. they're all at. Yeah, definitely. Julian, what about you? Uh, I'm probably more apprehensive about that, mm -hmm. but um, they don't always work once they move to the big screen. But I mean, if Lisa comes up with a great plot and she genuinely thinks there's more to tell, for sure, then yes. 
Bring it on. Bring it on. I love that. I suppose I have one last question and it's about Derry itself. You know, we talk about the Derry girls, but Derry as a city is essentially a character within it. You know, it shows it. I read a, um, a quote saying that it shows the city in colour and not black and white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, often other places in Northern Ireland get overlooked for Belfast. And I say that as, a, as somebody from Belfast. But I think what it has really done is showing off the beauty of the city and how much vibrancy there is as well. I, I don't know if, if the two of you agree or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the point I made earlier. I think it shows people and not just dairy people, people that, you know, from here across the board, you know, it shows them, um, it shows a very different side mm-hmm. to us because like I said, you know, you know, people have been so used to seeing our story just told in one way and Lisa McGee has made it very human with this, you know, the, the as you say, the the beautiful backdrop of, of Derry as a city, you know, we get to, we get to see it is, you know, such a different place and, and as, you know, a very significant part of the story. Completely. Mm. Gillian, do you are you a Derry fan? I am a Derry fan, and I think if you know anyone from Derry, they have immense pride in their city, and Absolutely. you can completely see that throughout the series. No matter what they were going through, they still love where they were, who they were, who you know where they were from, and what their city represented. So I think that's that lovely warmth is just there completely throughout it. I think the three of us need to go to Derry, eat a cream horn. Up Pump Street, <laughs> yeah, Street. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. I mean, I was there a few weeks ago, and it was one of the first times that I've been back since I lived there. Mm-hmm. And um, the city has changed so much. I mean, it's such a thriving, vibrant, beautiful city. Um, so yeah, I think we're all dairy girls now. We are all dairy girls at heart. We are. We are. <laughs> well, listen, thank you very much for your time. Um, this episode of the Bell was presented by myself, Anya Toner, and produced by Gillian Halliday and Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson, and the clips were from Channel 4. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.